0: Thank you uh, again for being here. It's always uh, such a joy for me to be able to worship together um, with the people of God and, and for us to, to be here. Um, it always does uh, my heart well and, and good to see um, the church come together um, in this way. So thank you for, uh, for being here and, and for being part of what um, the Lord is doing in, in our midst. Um, I actually want to begin with a, with a game. Is that okay? <laughs> it's actually not a game, but a quiz. You know, there's a TV show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Anyone ever seen this show before? This is – it's really painful to watch because I remember watching it one time and the question came out that they're asking these fifth graders. And basically they ask questions. um, They've got a panel of fifth graders and they ask an adult, a grown-up person, these these fifth-grade questions. And you have to answer them and and the fifth-grader answers them and you see who's smarter. And and, and it's kind of difficult for me to watch. I remember watching this one show and the question came up. I was like, you're so stupid. How do you not know the answer to that? Like, are you – like, are you dumb? And I was talking to myself, and that's why it was so hard for me to watch. But it was crazy as, as I'm as I'm watching these, these fifth grade questions. And so today, I want to see. Um, I, I actually thought about bringing in a, Actually, thought about bringing in one of our Kingdom Keepers fifth graders to, to do this, but I, I think it would only um, make us feel bad about ourselves. So. Um, Question. Just take mental notes, and then um, I'll, I'll just throw out a question. You can shout out the answer. There's no prize or anything like that. Um, first question. Um, Budapest is the capital of what European country? Hungary. Good. Okay, so good. Uh, so if you knew that, give yourself a point. If you didn't, you get nothing. Um, what is the fastest, land, uh, fastest bird on land? Ostrich. Good. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, South American countries, okay, South American country by area, what is the largest South American country? Man, really good. Who has three points so far? Three points. Okay, only a few of you, okay, we're, okay, good. Um, what is the, uh, how many years is a term for a U.S. representative, House of Representatives? What is the term? Aha, uh-huh. two years, okay, two years, two years, two years um okay what ship did the first pilgrims when the pilgrims first came to america what ship did they come on the titanic very good yeah hopefully that was a joke um anyone get all five right these sixth graders like man that's too easy (laughs) justin's like i got it um I don't know if, yeah, I don't, I don't know if um, I would have gotten all those right. Okay, here's another one. This is a bonus question for those of you who got it right. First U.S. president to be impeached. Justin? Washington, not Washington. <laughs> Andrew Johnson. Did you know Andrew Johnson was the first U.S. president to get impeached? Very good. So I, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, what is it? that makes us not be able to understand are we really not smarter than fifth graders part of it is yeah part of it is that <laughs> for some but for not for all of us i think for others it's like we learn these things in fifth grade and then the further we get from fifth grade we we begin to forget these things because they're not as important to us and I, this is this is this is important because i was reading this blog and it talks about why people leave Church, after having grown up in it all of their years in high school, in middle school, in elementary school, why they end up leaving. And and they said it's not an issue of anything else, but uh, they say the issue, it's a a relationship problem. That they've never really begun to see Jesus Christ as a personal being with whom they can have a living, breathing, life-changing, life-altering relationship with. He just becomes another subject to study, the church teaches the subject of Jesus, and as they graduate from high school, he begins filed in, Jesus gets filed into this, this category along with AP U.S. history, along with geometry, along with algebra 2, along with English literature, and all of these other things. And he just becomes this, this other subject that we put in this corner and that we move on from because we've never really had this personal relationship and this personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're in here and you feel like, yeah, that's me. I grew up in church. I grew up all my I grew up in church but, but after I, I went off, I went to either college or I got married and got a job or whatever it might be. We move off and and we begin to realize, you know what, I don't like church as much as I used to. I don't like Jesus as much as I used to. I don't like the songs as much as I used to or I'm not getting anything out of it like I used to. Maybe that's you. Or maybe that was you and you feel like, yeah, that was my story and I'm, I'm coming back to church after all these years and, and I'm wondering why do I not experience the same thing that I did when I was younger, that, that, that feeling and that longing and that desire. What we've been going through the last four weeks is a series about this journey of faith and, and talking about why this is so important. That Jesus Christ isn't just a subject to be studied. That was the first thing that we laid down. He's a person to be encountered. He's a person to be experienced. He's a life. He changes the lives of people who have a genuine encounter with him. He's not just something that we we, we learn about so that we can pass the Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader Jesus quiz. It's not about that. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, and you know the fruit of of a relationship with Jesus is that there's a changed life. You, you follow Jesus. You get plugged into a community. You gladly give your life in order that others might come to know this same Jesus. And I'm not sure where you are this morning. But as we study the life of this woman, Mary Magdalene, who had this life-changing encounter, whose life is a picture of the journey of faith, I want to call us into a passage and call us into a place that I believe, based on on the Word of God and based on Mary's life, that the journey always, 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 we cannot bypass this area uh, when we walk this journey of faith. And it's going to come from John 19.25, just one verse, very simple. Um, John 19.25. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to just give out three points. Last week, some, of, some people were confused. They're like, oh, there's only two points last week. What happened? And, and um, so we'll go back. I'll make it easy for you. I don't want you to be thinking, oh, where's the third point the whole time? Okay, so John 19, 25. Here it is, God's word. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary... Magdalene. This is God's word. What do what do we see here? The first thing that we see here is that the journey always takes us to the cross. The journey always takes us to the cross. Let me kind of flesh this out a little bit. Three and a half years, Jesus died. They say he died when he was about 33, 33 and a half years old. Last three and a half years of his life, he was involved in ministry. Before that, he was a carpenter, right? He was involved in ministry, teaching, preaching, healing, doing all of these things. And for the last three and a half years, Jesus, the the, the crowds were following him. He had this huge following he i mean this was bigger than tim tebow it was bigger than jeremy this is bigger than lynn Sanity, and this is without social media okay if jesus had a twitter account back then it would be blowing up our facebook news feeds would be blowing up with all these stories of jesus someone talking about jesus oh my gosh he did this or omg he did this or i lolled when i saw this dead person come back to life. all of these things just blowing up because jesus is the most popular thing and all these crowds are flocking to him. They're all following him because he's doing these amazing things. He's doing these great things. And yet it says here, near the cross of Jesus, there wasn't a crowd. There was just four people left. Right? Just four people left. All these crowds. And then at a certain point, they just begin to, to thin out. It's kind of like in college. When you go into college, at least when I went in college, everyone in their grandma, freshman year, entering, um, I asked them, hey, what are you What are you studying? They said, we're pre-med. Right, I asked next what are you, pre-med? Right, what do you want to do? I want to study biology or chemistry or physics. I want to be a doctor. All right, that's cool. Right, half, of, half of my friends were like, we're pre-med. Until something happens. You hit organic chemistry, and all of a sudden, at the end of organic chemistry, people are like, hey, you know what? I have no idea what I'm doing in my life anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm majoring in psychology. I think I'm majoring in, in English. Whatever it is. Because organic chemistry has a way of being a filter, right? All these people come through organic chemistry, and, phew, and it just kind of, it, it thins people out. They call it a weed out class. And the cross has a way of weeding people out also. The crowds were just following Jesus because, man, he's given out miracles. And maybe I can bring my sick friend and, and bring him to Jesus and they'll get healed. And, and maybe I'll bring my dead bunny and he'll get raised to life from Jesus. This is good. As long as, as, long as it, you know, there's great things happening. As long as Jesus was passing out miracles and doing all these things, and then there was, great, there, was, there was great benefit in riding on the coattails of Jesus because you follow him, then you can get in. He's going to be king. And hey, if you get close enough, you get tight enough with the king, then you might become, I don't know, a general, or you might become some kind of a minion, but that would still be pretty good pretty good life. If he's the king, if he's doing all these miracles, then let's follow him. But at the cross, all these crowds began to disperse. And I think in so many ways that's that's modern day Christianity. Right? We want to follow Jesus because it's like, hey, uh, he, what? He forgives you of your sins? Are you serious that all the, the mistakes I've made in my past, like they can be forgotten? Yeah, you come to the cross. That's what happens. Are you serious? Like I could, like I could die, and I could, I could be in heaven. I could live forever. I could be in relationship, like I can have a new family with people who are kind and and loving and they don't treat me as my sins deserve. I I can really be loved by someone that powerful and that that great and he answers my prayers. Holy cow, sign me up for this. But then as soon as we get to the cross and Jesus begins to talk about, hey, you know what? Uh, You got to follow me. You got to follow me to the cross. Then the, the crowds begin to thin out. Yesterday, in, in, in preparation for our, our baby to come, so he hasn't come. Today's our due date, but he hasn't come. So um, if you see Olivia walk out, that means the sermon's over. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in preparation for our baby's arrival, uh, we just kind of cl- trying to clear out space in our house. And so we had this, uh, we had this garage sale, and Olivia and me and, and one of our friends, Joyce, came over, and she was selling some stuff also. And I, I, like, I love yard sales because there's something about... Um, Something about, like I was a psychology major, not because I failed at pre-med, but I failed at something else, but I was a psychology major, and there's something beautiful about interacting with people at this level. I, I think garage sales, more than any other thing for me, is a, is a well, not more than any other, but, but in a lot of ways is a microcosm of human life because it's a constant an analysis of costs and benefits. You go to like the mall, and, and there's a set price for something, and you can't haggle usually with it. You just kind of say if you want it or not. But at, at, at yard sales, at garage sales, like you can you can bargain, and you really see if people think something is worth the price. And so we were starting at eight o'clock, but um, people come in like as soon as as soon as they wake up. So people were streaming and starting about seven thirty, and it was busiest from seven thirty eight before this thing even opened, before we even started. And the first three people to come, they were. Um, they were from a, a foreign country. They all had their Disney attire on, and these guys were hard bargaining, low-balling people. Just very, not a good way to start the, the morning if you're not a morning person. And so we had all of our prices, which were ridiculously low. We're not trying to make any mo- I mean, we're trying to make some money, but that's not, that's not our point. We're just trying to get rid of inventory. And so we set the price extremely low, had an iPod we sold for $2. That's pretty good, right? We had all, like a, a stereo boom box, $5, and, and all kinds of stuff. And there was this one Lenox Crystal... Uh, plate. No, no, never been used before. Um, I don't know how much it, it, it is, but we, we put it at $10. And these ladies come and um, just very, they're all about business, right? Hey, how are you today? What up? So here they just looking for their stuff. And, and it's like something's like $5, I, I give you 50 cents. And I was like, <laughs> let me think of that. No, <laughs> come on, man. It's seven, We haven't even started and you're trying to bargain. Hey, they looked at this Lenox Crystal. They're like, $10. They're like, I give you $1. I was like, what's wrong with you? Are you serious? Like one dollar? Like, no, that that, that that so it was crazy. And there was people like that. And and I could I could tell stories about people who, who came and, and the interactions that we had. And again, being a psych major was really exciting for me. And I could use reverse psychology to make people buy things that they didn't really want to buy. And just kidding, I I always use my power for good, not evil. But there was this one thing that we were selling, two things that we were selling. We had these two DVD players, okay? One was this no-name Orion DVD player, okay? I don't know what... I, sorry if any of your family worked for Orion, but I've never heard of it. So Orion DVD player, and then we had a Sony DVD player. We're selling each of these for $5, okay? Cool. Uh, gets really busy, 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30. About 10 o'clock, there comes a little bit of a lull. And so I'm kind of looking at what we've got left, and I'm like, man, we don't really have that much left, so we're like scrounging through the house trying to get rid of stuff, and... And then I looked at, at the table and I said, hey, Olive, did you sell the Sony DVD player? And she's like, I ain't sell it. And I, I, I said, Joyce, do you see anyone buy it? She said, I ain't see it. I, so I, I looked down and the Orion DVD player was there. The Sony DVD player remote control was there, but the Sony DVD player wasn't there. I was like, are you serious? You're going to steal a $5 DVD player. Like I, okay, I understand. If you're, um, so part of me, I mean, there was a sympathetic side that said, okay, if you're going to steal a $5 DVD player, then you probably need it more than I do, right? So go ahead and, and take it, but at least take the remote control. <laughs> I mean, I've got nothing to do with What am I going to do with a remote control for a Sony DVD player that I don't even have anymore? And we're trying to think, well, there are some sketchy people there. I wonder who took it. We don't have a video camera in our, in our house like, like some of our guys do, but I thought in that moment... This, whoever it was that, that, that took that DVD player said, I want this, but I'm not willing to pay the price for it. As a result, he stole it from us. And that's what a lot of us do or try to do with God. Like, man, God, I want everything that you have. I love what you have. I love the peace that you offer. I love that you promise joy to me. I love that you promise the eternal life. But then as soon as God says, hey, there's a price involved, we say, you know what? I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And then we walk away trying to take the benefit from God without paying the price. You see, the journey, guys, always, always, always takes us to the cross. That's the first thing that we have to understand. There is no, there is no Christianity apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? The second thing that that means is that the cross tells us that life, that the journey won't be easy. (laughs) If this is your first time being introduced to Christianity, I'm sorry. I apologize, but I'm not making this stuff up. But when I went to seminary, there were some classes that are required in the different concentrations, in the different majors, so to speak, that you take. Uh, that you uh, decide to choose. And they have—you know—they all have class, just like in, in the universities that you go to or the high school classes that you go to. There are uh, classes that you have to take, like uh, Anthro 101 or Psychology 101 or whatever it might be. Um, there's this class that all incoming, P- you want to get the Masters of Divinity. Basically, what that means, you want to be a missionary, you want to be a pastor, you want to go into full-time ministry. Then the Masters of Divinity degree, the first class you take in the summer coming in is called Summer Greek. Right, makes sense, right? You take it in the summer. It's a one-month class. It's intense, so they pile it all, but that's the only class you take. Fall semester starts, your first year, you take Greek two. Right? It's, it's, it's pretty manageable. But there are some people who can't do this summer Greek class, so they have to take six hours of Greek in the fall. Hey, it's not easy stuff. There's a reason people say it's all Greek to me, because it's, it's difficult. And so this class, Greek one and two combined, people call this suicide Greek, because they're like, you take that class, you better be ready to give your life for this because it's not easy. There's another class in the counseling program. You want to get a master's of arts in counseling. Um, they, they give you all these like, simple classes as prerequisites, but then when you get in that winter time, winter, your first year after your first semester in the counseling program, there's this class that really guts you. It, you think, okay, you know, this is going to be fine. I'm going to help people. I'm going to do all these great things in order to bring people healing. But the first principle of being a good counselor is that you've got to be willing to deal with the junk in yourself because you can only take people as far as you've been. And so that's, there's this class, I think it's called Family uh, Structures or something like that. But basically what they do is they talk all about your family history. They talk about all about your past. They talk about all the scars and all the wounds that you have because of your family. And it's not easy. It's not for people with no emotion. It's not for people like Spock. Actually, even engineers like Mr. Spock will shed tears in this. They call this class Tears 101. These two classes, you enter into seminary, you do not take these classes thinking it's going to be an easy road. And Jesus is saying it's the same thing with Christianity because you cannot go to any church unless it's an underground church, but you cannot go to any church and not see a cross because the cross is a symbol of Christianity. And everybody in the, in the time that Jesus was living understood exactly what the cross meant. See, as Mary Magdalene was following Jesus along the journey, as soon as she got her life uh, just transformed by Jesus, she started following him on the journey, and she saw some amazing things. And maybe she was there, I'm sure she was there to witness a whole lot of miracles, A whole lot of blind people being able to see for the first time and to celebrate that with them. To see some amazing teaching, teaching that's off the record that would cause our hearts to burn if we were there. Mary Magdalene saw some amazing things as she followed Jesus, but then at the same time, she saw some pretty hard things as well, especially when you go to the cross. And we sing today, at the cross I bow my knee. We sing, oh, the wonderful cross, when I survey the wondrous cross. We say, I'm clinging to the cross, and we sing about all of these things, but nobody in their right mind living in the time of Jesus would ever say anything like that. It would be an abomination to say anything like that because everyone knew what the cross was. It was basically uh, nothing more than a killing tree. There was a caste system in the Roman Empire. You, maybe you know this, but the upper class, upper class people, they would ne- they would die a very noble death if they got in trouble. Now, you say you're an upper class person uh, like Justin here. You're like this this great you know, governor or senator or something like that. And all of a sudden you do something bad and they say, OK, you know, Justin needs to get um, executed. Um, they would they would usually take him into a private room and let him drink poison so he could die in dignity by himself crucifixion was not even reserved for the middle class. It was not even for the lower class. It was for the slaves. It was for traitors. It was not private. It was public. It was humiliating. It was torturous. They would leave the the, the crucified people up on on the cross so that birds, vultures would come and eat them. It was a despicable, despicable way to die. Extremely painful. And it was only reserved for the worst of the worst. And so here's Jesus. Okay, here's Jesus. They thought he was going to become the next Spartacus, right? lead a revolution. He was going to lead all of these people. Spartacus was crucified. And so they said, well, Jesus is going to be like him. But not only that, he claims to be the son of God. right? So this is an offense against uh, our Caesar. And so they said, we need to thwart this movement. And so they crucified Jesus. And the, the, the message they were sending is you mess with Rome. This is what happens to you. You try and revolt against Rome. This is what happens to you. And lift it on high for all to see. This was Jesus. And for Mary, Magdalene to be there, looking at the cross, and watching this, seeing the lover of our soul, the one who has changed her life, the one who saved her and freed her, and seeing him on the cross dying and beaten and bloody, breathing his last. See, hey, that's not easy stuff. Right here, you imagine your best friend dying like that. You imagine your mother, your father, whoever it is. This was like he was everything to her. And he, he, that's how he dies. And she goes to that place. And Jesus calls us to come to the cross. You cannot, you cannot think that Christian life is going to be easy. Because the journey always takes us to the cross. And the cross tells us that the journey isn't simple a lot of times, man, a lot of times we, we look at Christianity and we have this, like, we, we, this in our minds. Like, you hear about uh, the persecuted church, and they, like, they deeply understand that there is no separating the cross and its suffering from cr- the Christian life. Like, somehow in America, we're good at doing this. Somehow in our comfort, we're good at doing this. But you ask people in China who suffer, and, 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 and they tell stories of suffering They're not saying, oh, one time this happened. They're like, this is my daily lot. This is what it means for me to follow Christ. And at the same time, you see, there's an infectious joy in their lives. You see people, hear about people, testimonies from Afghanistan or Turkey or or places where where the gospel is is stifled, and they're worshiping in places where, where they literally bear the cross. There's something powerful about that. That they realize that, yeah, there's benefit to following Christ, but there's also a cost. But that cost is, is a beautiful thing. I love how William Barclay said, he said, Jesus Christ never lured, enticed people with a promise of an easy life. He came to awaken the sleeping chivalry in all human beings because he came not to make, not to make life easy, but he came to make men and women great. There's a, a powerful call that he offers to us. Like that's the life that Christ calls us to live. That's the, the is life easy for us? As, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is life easy? Because if it is, then we may not be walking the way. And we may have settled for something that looks pretty similar, but isn't the real thing. When I was in high school, the IT brand for athletic wear was called Champion. I don't know if you guys, if that's popular. Yeah, it's popular. Um, that was it, man. And it, it was symbolized by this little red, white, and blue C. Right? Just stick it on, right, on your sleeve. And the motto was, it takes a little more to be a champion. Yeah. Right? That little thing, actually, it's all it took was a little C. Doesn't take a little bit more, just take a little C. Put on your clothes and it increases $25, right, the price of your thing. The high school, I was in high school, I used to... Um, Really big church, really big youth group. And so I would ask my friends when they go to college, hey, can you buy me a college sweatshirt? Make like, sure. I would send Virginia Tech or UVA, or whatever it is. Uh, my senior year, I had this, this uh, friend, she went to uh, Michigan, Michigan University. And so I said, I would love a Michigan sweatshirt. I said, okay. So she sent it um, like in her first semester. And I got it, and I was like, one day, and I, I sported this sweatshirt, and I wore it to church. And they're like, dude, where'd you get that sweatshirt? I was like, Esther sent it from Michigan. Like, dude, she likes you. <laughs> I was like, "Why well, no? I asked her for it." No, like, dude, really? She likes you. I was like, "Why?" Like, it's got a, it, it's a champion. I was like, "Ah, okay." Because being champion, having that little C, that meant everything. It was cool. So, ninth and tenth grade in high school, you take gym class, right? I don't know if people enjoy gym class here. Like, no one liked it because you get all sweaty and then you have to change your clothes, and no one ever takes a shower in the school locker room. So people like walking through hallways, smelly and stuff like that. So. The only thing good about ninth and 10th grade gym class at my high school was that we had um, these really ugly T-shirts, but they were made out of champion. They're a champion brand. And so after my sophomore year was done, I was like, what am do I doing with these clothes? they are really ugly. So I said, I, had a, I got a great idea. And I wanted it to be cool. And so I cut the little C <laughs> off of the sleeve. I know you all done this too. Come on. Cut the C off the sleeve and just kind of trimmed around it so that there was no, like, none of the edges... Um, and then I took it and I glued it onto one of my sweatshirts that wasn't shaved was like Jan sport. Glued it on there. All of a sudden, as soon as I put that on, I was like, dude, I'm five degrees cooler right now. So I'm walking around. <laughs> until ten minutes later, that little C fell off. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Pick it up. and I look like a champ, but I sure didn't feel like one. And I wonder if a lot of us are, are settling a version of Christianity that looks very similar to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, you look at yourself and you're like, I don't really feel like this is right. And where's the change? Where's the fruit? Where's the joy? Where's the life that Jesus promised? And we're trying to do it apart from the cross. And then it may not be that we've, we've really begun the journey that Christ calls us to. Maybe Jesus was just a subject we studied and we just kind of put him off in a corner in a binder with all of our other subjects, with all of our other books, and, and our Bible's getting dusty and, and we, we don't, we're not walking with him. You can't read the Bible and, and not read about Jesus being crucified or John the Baptist getting thrown in prison for following Jesus or him getting his head Chopped off for following Christ. Or about he- hearing Stephen get, get, get stoned, not like with LSD or drugs, but, but rocks thrown at him until he died. And you can't read about the, the Bible and not see Daniel get thrown into a lion's den. And fearing his life, or his, his three of his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, getting thrown into a, into a furnace. You can't hear about things like this and, 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 and turn a blind eye and say, that was, just, that was just these people way back when. This is us. The cross of Christ bids us come and die. You can't read through the, the history books or, or these other pages. of. You can't read Hebrews. Read Hebrews 11. It talks about these heroes of the faith. It talks about people who are sawed in half, people who are flogged, people who are burned, people who are killed. Sometimes, here's the hard truth. Sometimes following Jesus doesn't end up well in this life. Sometimes following Jesus doesn't end up the way that we want it to look. I remember saying that to myself, writing that in my journal after hearing that uh, sometime last year. But that's the reality. Sometimes it doesn't look the way we want it to look. But the last thing I want to point out, and I think this is important that the last things the cross tells us that the journey doesn't end with the cross. Yeah, the journey doesn't end with the cross. So you see here, Mary, and, and they're all here at the cross, and verse twenty-eight, starting verse 28, it talks about Jesus dies, and the main character in this whole drama breathes his last, and then he hangs his head they're like it's over. In this unfolding drama, they thought he was going to be the king, and now it's done, and he's dead. To, to, to most people, the story would be over. We know that on the third day, Jesus would rise again. But I'm pretty sure that when, as Mary is watching this, as she's seeing this, as she's near the cross, she sees in that moment, not just three days later, but in that moment, she sees a picture, a glimpse, something that's telling her that the cross is not the end, that it doesn't end there there was these, the Jesus was, was, was hanging on a cross and there were these two crooks, these criminals, right? bad, bad men who were getting what they deserved and one guy was insulting Jesus. Saying, dude, if you're everything that you say you are, then you could bust free and, and save all of us. And there was this other uh, crook and he understood. He understood that he was getting, that dude was getting what he deserved, that he was getting what he deserved, but he understood that Jesus didn't do anything wrong. And he began in that moment to to begin to realize and begin to believe that that this Jesus is who he says he is. And so he said, you know what, Jesus, I know I deserve this. I know I'm going to die, but will you remember me? Will you remember me when you get into glory? And Jesus looks at this dude hanging on a cross, getting what he rightly deserves. And Jesus says to him, understanding his faith and being full of grace, he says, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. And as Mary is hearing this, she's realizing that these guys are dying on a cross, but the story doesn't end there. She, he, she's realizing that even now, he's going to die. He's going to breathe his last, this last, this crook on the cross. But that's not where the story ends. That there's more to life. There's more to the story. There, there's something else coming. And she understood that. So this, this very day, you're going to be with me in paradise. See, Jesus is constantly, constantly, constantly telling us, this is how we really find life, my friends. You know, Drake is right. You only live once, but he has no idea. He has no idea what it means to really live. Hey, you listen to a song. It's all about sex. It's all about alcohol. It's all about living it up. He says, this is what you've got to live for because you only live once. He has no idea. He has no idea what Braveheart meant when Braveheart says, you know what? Every man dies, but not every man lives. What in the world does it mean to live? I'll tell you what. Most people in our world say this is what it means to live. You take your desires, you take your heart, you take your passion, and you follow that. If that leads you down a road to alcohol, do it. If it leads you to the clubs doing drugs, do it. If it leads you into some bedroom, it leads you into some dark place, and go do it. You only live once. But here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you follow that path towards living for yourself. You're not living the way that you're meant to live. That's not how we're meant to live. You live that every person who's ever lived and breathed and walked this earth will tell you that you live for yourself in that way. You're not becoming more alive. You're becoming more enslaved. Becoming more less human, less alive, dehumanized. Because we weren't meant to live that way. And I know that anyone who's lived addicted to sin, we know in our heart of hearts that this is the reality. And this is the reality. I try to do what's right, but I keep on going this way. I'm not alive. I'm just a zombie. It's the dawn of the dead, my friends. We're just walking dead people, and we get more and more dead as we go along. Jesus says that's not the way to live. Because you take a zombie and you put Band-Aids on them, it's not going to change them at all. Any more than putting a little C is going to change a dance Sport into a champion. It's not. What is he saying? He's saying here, the cross of Christ bids us come and die to find that I might truly live. This is how you really live, my friends. You come to the cross and you die to yourself. You say, Jesus, I can't. Here I am at your feet in my brokenness complete. I know I don't have it together. I know I haven't done it right. I'm not not worthy to call on your name. But because of grace, because of mercy, all those things that I've done, I can stand before you unashamed. See, we come to the cross because this is how you truly live. And this is how you truly live. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, that's that's what caused these people to give their lives for him. They realize that death is not it. Holy cow, death is just, a, it's death. The cross is the bridge to life, the way that it was meant to be lived. And it's only when we die that we can come to live. That's why Jesus says constantly, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it gives life to many. This is the principle of life. It only comes through death. The principle of agriculture, the principle of farming, Prince will live everything that we do. That's why Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's why many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. The way to life, as it was meant to be lived, is we die to ourselves, we come to the cross, we take him, his life upon us, and then we begin to live. Begin to live the way that it was meant to live. And so here go these missionaries to Africa in the 1700s, first 60 years. First missionaries to Africa. The great majority of them died within two years. But they said, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And they would go to their grave with joy and with the laughter of those who've been set free. The ones who knew, the the, the laughter of those who knew that death isn't the end. It's just the beginning. And he calls us to, to give our lives and to die to ourselves, to live for Christ. This is where life really begins because we begin to realize that this is how much God loves us, that God is spirit, can't die, but he comes down to earth and wraps himself in, in frail humanity just like us to do the one thing on earth that he could not do in heaven, to suffer, to bleed, and to die, to take our place, to take our guilt, to take our shame upon himself so that by faith in exchange, we can have the life and the blessing that only he deserved. This is the life that he calls us to live. It starts at the cross and it moves from there. Let's pray. If we respond to God's word, Yeah, I, I need to do this because I don't know where we are today. I know there are a lot of people who, here who've been going to church for a really long time. And maybe as you hear this, maybe you're thinking to yourself, yeah, there hasn't been much hardship, cost, no uh, denying of myself to follow Jesus. I do whatever I want, and then I come to church on Sunday. Maybe I'm not really walking the journey. Maybe I haven't really had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Maybe my life really isn't changed. doesn't matter. You've been going to church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. That's not the issue. The issue is, do we, have we exchanged our broken life for the life of Christ, a, a life that begins at the cross and moves from that point forward? Have we come to the cross? If we're not changing, then it's probably a good indication that somewhere along the way, We've strayed from that place or that we've never walked that path before. And maybe some of us are here. This is like our first time in church. I don't know. But Jesus offers and promises so much more than what we're living, guys, so much more than what we're experiencing. We only live once. That's right. And it would be a shame for us to gain everything that this world has and then to forfeit our soul at the end. Again, I, I, I'm not going to make anyone stand up and, and sing or dance or anything like that, but all I'm just, I'm just going to say, look, yeah, the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, the heart of Christianity is that we're messed up. And, when, and whenever anyone messes up, there's a punishment for that. We messed up against God, and the punishment that we deserve is, is to die eternally because God is eternally worthy. But in love, God sent his son, Jesus He lived the perfect life, the sinless life that we should have lived, and then he died on the cross for us. And the message of Christianity is that somebody has to die. Either we will die or we can believe that Jesus died in our place. And if by faith we put our faith, put our trust in Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of our sins and the new Lord of our lives, then he comes in, he gives us a new life, and he changes us from the inside out. As we pray with our eyes closed, if there's anyone like that, say, you know what? Hey, you know, DL, I need Jesus in my life. I need this. I need this life. I've been living an imposter Christian life or I've never, i never lived a Christian life. And I don't, I, I'm not interested in, in numbers here, but I want to invite, you, if there's anyone like that with everyone's eyes closed, you just raise your hand and, and I'll pray for you and, and we can talk later. If there's anyone like that, you feel like, yeah, that's me. I need that. If there's anyone like that in here, I, as far as I can, I can see, no one has responded to that, but this is the most important decision, my friends, you'll ever make, and so I would ask you, maybe if, if uh, you know someone in here who's living the way, walking the, the, the journey, to talk to them, and we could always talk. Please email me, call me, let's get together, let's talk about how this might apply to your life. But for the rest of us, let's just take half a minute right now just to pray to the Lord and anything that the Lord God might be stirring in your heart. Maybe you've uh, wanted the, 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 the blessing and the benefit, but not pay the price to follow Jesus. Whatever um, you know, God might be speaking, let's just take half a minute to talk back to the Lord, just to confess anything to him, to make certain decisions by faith. So let's pray for half a minute and if anyone wants to uh, just wants to, to chat later you can just raise your hand at this point but let's pray for a half minute and then i'll close for us and we'll continue to, to pray through songs right, let's pray Father in heaven, thank you that you would love us. One of the great and most powerful truths of human existence is to know Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible, the cross tells me so whoever we are, wherever we are whatever we've done doesn't matter all our guilty stains fall are wiped clean under the cleansing fountain of the blood that Jesus Christ shed for our sins help us to stand under that, to wash under that to find life the way that it was meant to be lived Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.